Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, well, here's what I love, Tampa Bay and beyond, is I love highlighting churches that are really making an impact. I love talking to pastors who understand that our workplace is our mission field. I love highlighting pastors who on a Sunday tie the sermon to Monday. And so today we have a special privilege of bringing Pastor Ken Witten on the air for him to be interviewed every day on AM 570 and 910. You get to hear Pastor Ken twice a day, and he's preaching and he's sharing. But today we get to ask him the tough questions. Why does he do the things he do? Pastor Ken Witten, welcome to I Work For Him. Well, thank you, Jim, and thank you, I Work listeners. And uh, it's a joy, and I mean that. I know preachers, if you ever know anything about preachers, they say well, they always start by saying it's so good to be with you. But listen, if you know anything about preachers, they're just glad to be anywhere. So I am very, very glad to be with you today. Yeah, the I Work For Him audience is is a very diverse audience, reaching across the country and into literally 50 countries. And so what you're going to share today is probably going to be an inspiration for pastors around the world. And, and here's what I know about the job of a pastor. It's an incredibly difficult job. You've got a 1,000 bosses. Well, in your case, you've got 20,000 bosses, and, and you have all kinds of people that are willing to share opinions, but you also have the ability to impact in your area, hundreds of thousands of people, literally, by all the people that, that participate in Idlewild Church. So, Ken, before we go to the first break, I really want people just to hear from you on how Christ is making a difference in your life today. 
Well, thank you for that question. And, um, you know, John 15 reminds us that we are to abide in Christ. And, you know, when you say today, I appreciate you asking it that way because, you know, we all should have a testimony, a testimony of what Jesus Christ did for us yesterday. Uh, but we live in the present. We live in today. Now, we know that one day God's going to do something for us in the future. And and isn't that salvation? When we stop to think about salvation, the Bible gives us three great theological terms about salvation. It uses the word justification, and then it, it uses the word sanctification, and then it uses the word glorification. And that's because God made us with a body, and God made us with a soul, God made us with a spirit. And you know, Jim, when our body's right, we're, we're healthy. When our soul's right, mind, will, and emotions, we're happy. And when our spirit's right, we're holy. And so God was so good to tell us that, you know, we're justified. And that's what, when I gave my life to Christ, I gave it to him when I was seven years old. Now, I'm going to tell you, I knew very little about me and even less about him. But I knew this. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew my sin separated from God, and I knew that I needed a Savior. And, and so I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of all the sin that I knew, my, that sin of unbelief, and I believed in Him, and I put my trust in Him. And the Bible says theologically, He wrote my name down the Lamb's Book of Life, and I, and I became saved. Now, that's in the past, so He took care of my past. But the great thing about what we're going to celebrate in a few weeks of Easter is that when Jesus Christ came out of that grave, he didn't just take care of the power of sin. You know, he took care of of not just my past and the penalty of it, but he took care of the power of it, my present. So he uses the word sanctification. So I, I, I was saved. I'm being saved. So when you say, Pastor Kim, what's Jesus Christ doing in your life today? Well, one day it'll be glorification. Right now it's sanctification. And that sanctification is he's trying to make me more and more like Christ. And uh, the Bible says, those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, to be the firstborn among many brethren. And you know, it's like they asked that famous sculptor one time, if all you had was a rock, how would you make a horse? He said, that's real simple. I'd knock off everything that doesn't look like a horse. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> and I, one. And you know what, Jim, what God's doing in my life right now, John 15 says we're to abide in him. And I'll tell you what I'm learning. It's a, it's a lesson that you just continue to learn. You've, your workplace is being a pastor, which is yes. which is no easy job. And, you, right. and you've got a, I don't know, your church is kind of big. I mean, you've got a lot of people in your church. I don't know. You could, As they said <laughs> in the Tampa Bay Times, you could fit a 747-400 inside yeah. your sanctuary. Yeah, I read that too. We say, you know, Jim, what we say is uh, if you don't like big churches, just sit on the fourth row and never look back. <laughs> uh, I that's true. We, I tell them we're not a big church. We're just a small town. That's what we are. Everybody likes small town. So, that's, yes, uh, yours. Yeah, well, and I lived in a small town, Minnesota, and I got to tell you, no, it only had twenty two hundred people. So going back to your job, so you, you you say yes, it could feel small church. And I've spoken to many of your your small groups, your connection groups uh, up, and, and they are small churches in their in themselves, and people are really getting ministered to. But how did you know that God was calling you to be a pastor? You know, um, you know, there's a proverb that says uh, the path of the righteous, I think it's in Psalms, it says the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter to the full day. And, you know, Jim, I can honestly say that it was never a wave the right, a white flag and it was a surrender. 
to God's will was like, okay, I'll do it. It, it was one of those, God, I, I think you may be calling me to ministry. And then it was, God, I, I feel you to call me to ministry. And then it was, God, I believe you're calling me to ministry. And then it was, God, if you're not calling me to ministry, you better stop me because that's where I'm going. You know, the, the Bible says, the book of Acts says, it seemed good to me in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Jim, the path of righteousness, like the light of dawn, it shines brighter the full day means that it started out dark 30. And then all of a sudden, you know, it became gray dawn. And before I knew it, it was high noon. I mean, God's will finds us. We don't just find God's will. It found me. And I was, uh, you know, it's easier to guide a moving vessel than one sitting still. And I was doing faithful small things, faithful big things. I was already involved in church. I was already involved working with the Lord, already speaking on college campuses and going out on weekends and some teams. And I had everybody else calling me into the ministry, Jim, but I just wanted to make sure, God, are you putting your hand? Are you calling me? Now, the day I got saved, I got called to ministry. And every listener who knows that Jesus Christ, their Savior, is called to ministry. But there's that special equipping calling. And Jim, when I was 22 years old, that's how God confirmed that to my life. Well, and you and you, you reiterate a, a couple of points that I bring up on the air all the time. Listen, every Christ follower, when they gave their lives to Christ, they became, they were called yeah. to ministry, whatever that ministry may be. You know, and I talk often that people that are business owners or managers, they're pastors in their own workplace. They are operating their own church because they've got people that, in fact, a lot of business owners get more access to non-Christ followers than you as a pastor do. Exactly. And, but exactly. recognizing that calling is something, you know, I, I had the privilege, we've got some friends that go to your church and they invited us to come up and I got to hear you one time. It's a long drive from where I live to your church. It's almost like you could take a short plane trip, <laughs> but I got to hear what, what inspired me to say, Hey, I got to bring him on the radios because you did a great job. You preached a fantastic sermon, but you drove it home and said, Hey, on Monday, you, you drove home in the workplace. When you get out of here, when you walk out of here, here's how you apply it. And I think that's what people really need to know, that what we learn on Sunday applies to every other day. And that's Absolutely. something that, that some pastors don't—they struggle with that marketplace ministry idea, and, and it's something that seemed to just come naturally, flowed right out of you. Well, and, and, I, and it's because I believe it. I mean, listen, if you, you can't spell gospel without go. You can't spell God without go. You can't spell good news without go. And, and God's called us to take the gospel on that mission field when we walk out. It's nobody, nobody comes to watch, goes to the buck stand to watch the guys in the huddle, to stay in the huddle. They want them to break huddle. They want to know what's going to happen when they break the huddle. What, what are they going to do to advance the ball in the enemy's territory? And, and God's called us to be salt and to light of the world. And that's, that's the calling. And I appreciate a show like yours because you're encouraging that man and that woman who every day is in, feels like it's a daily grind. And you're trying to tell them, listen, this is a ministry. You know, some people say to me, you know, sometimes, well, Pastor, I wish I had a job like yours. I say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You want a job just like yours, just like, and yet it's not a job. It's a ministry. And I, I appreciate, I think everybody appreciates the, the spirit in which, Jim, you, you, you try to encourage the troops out there to say, listen, look for Jesus working every day in your life and joining. 
it, it's it's a lot of fun, and, and it is. I, I want to hit your point. You you mentioned you when somebody goes to the Bucks game, they're waiting for him right. to break the huddle, and, right. and that's one of the things I think the church is struggling with. When I, I got a I get a lot of comments, I see a lot of things on Facebook. People are really frustrated with the political climate in the in the country today. They're they're frustrated with the economic climate, and, and they're frustrated with the culture overall, whatever it may be. And and I think part of the issue is that the church. As a whole, not individually, but the church as a whole has really struggled with breaking the huddle. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you, somebody said it like this one time. They said, you know, I think what we're doing is it's, it would be like a group of employees opening the doors up to the store and then locking the doors and selling the merchandise to each other. Now, I, I don't think God's called us to do that. I, I think he's told us real clear how we are to do that. And, you know, one of the best ways to be a witness and not just in neighborhood, but every single day of, of your life, we can be a witness for Jesus Christ right there in that workplace. You know, yesterday I had the privilege of having some guys on from Apartment Life, and they have—I don't know if you've heard of that ministry or not, but they're— I have. They're specifically, you know, calling people into uh, to minister to learn how to be neighbors. I mean, to to na- be a right. neighbor in in uh, apartment complexes. And I was amazed at the, that the statistics that ninety five or ninety six percent of people living in apartment complexes don't go to church. They don't have any church affiliation, and sixty percent of them don't know any of their neighbors. And and so teaching people to learn that they their ministry could start in their neighborhood is powerful. And then when they take it to work and they recognize that wow, maybe I can't be like Ken Witten on the uh, on the pulpit, but if I could just share what Christ did in my life, that that's good enough. And and that's what's really cool is that we've all right. got a, a story to share. It, it is it is very cool. You've, you've heard the studies. You know that 40% of our waking hours is going to be at work. You know, that's a, we're going to spend 115,000 hours of our life at work, at work. And, you know, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3.9, what profit has the worker from that which he labors? Well, you know, that's because Ecclesiastes is all about living under the sun. If you're under the sun, that's what you're going to think. You're going to see your work is tedious. But if you start living above the sun, you start seeing it as for the glory of God. It's it's more than just a bumper sticker that says I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. I mean, it's a it, it's a calling that says, you know what? I'm making a difference. And guess what? I don't have to preach like Pastor Ken. I can serve right where I am in my office and guess what? I can reach people for Jesus Christ and I can be a witness for Jesus Christ right here. So so let's talk about as an encouragement to others other churches around Tampa Bay and literally around the world how you guys at Idlewild have been very intentional to break the huddle and to equip people to go. So let's start with that. We're not going to get it all in okay. before the break, but go ahead and start there. What are you guys doing differently? Uh, well, let's let's just talk about uh, about purpose of the church, of course. Um one of the things God calls us to do is we know that Matthew 5.14, Jim says that you are the salt of the earth, but it says you're the light of the world. And the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And then watch this. And that who gets glory here? That your father gets glory. I read a book, and maybe you take a break right after I tell you this, but I read a book that's, that one day was called The Irresistible Influence. That's the name of the book. It's by Robert Lewis, Irresistible Influence, and I'm telling you, it shook my world. And here's what he said. If your church was gone tomorrow, would anybody miss it? Mm. I thought to myself, miss it? Could they even find it? And, and then I got to thinking, why is God wanting us in this neighborhood that we've relocated to there in Lutz? And I believe God's called us to extend his glory and extend the kingdom. And so 
my at 10 years ago, God began to grab my heart and say, listen, I would like for them to say, if God, if the rapture happened tonight, they'd say, boy, I miss Idlewild. Boy, I just miss them. I miss the people, what they did for our community. Now, listen, we're not trying to make this place a better place to go to hell from. And I'll talk about that later. But we've got to take the gospel out of the world. Today, we're having a fast-moving conversation with Pastor Ken Witten. You may have heard of him. He's got a show here on Salem Communications Ever or Salem Media Group twice a day on AM 9, uh, 9 10, and 570. I have no idea why my mouth is moving so we- wickedly today. Hey, but you can hear him twice a day. But today, you get to hear behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. He's the pastor of a small church up in Lutz called Idlewild. If you haven't been up there, it's something to participate in. The people are incredibly welcoming. The campus is a little... It's not too big where you get lost, but there's always kind of people that can help you figure out where you need to go. They even give golf cart rides to visitors from the parking lot. It's a great thing. you got to check it out. If you're looking for a home church and you live in Pasco County or northern, northern Pinellas County, a great church to check out. Ken, how, talk to me this. How is it that two of the greatest churches in Tampa Bay are both in Lutz? Because I hear all about Idlewild and I hear all about Grace Family all the time. I mean, you guys are making a big impact. Did you guys, like, coordinate this effort or what? <laughs> no, I, I just think God put Craig and I together just to keep our eye on each other, baby. I, I don't know. You know, it, 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 it's kind of like uh, sometimes, and I don't, make, I don't want to bring it to the same comparison of car lots, but when you think about sometimes one great place that sells vehicles, you look right down the street, there's another one, and they sell vehicles and they don't sell the same vehicles necessarily, but they have the same kind of crowd and traffic. And you're thinking, man, why would you put it right next to each other? Well, because there's something we all have in common with each other. And of course, you know, Craig would, Pastor Craig would say this, and this pastor would say this, that there's not a competition because we're in the kingdom and they have gifts we do not have. They offer things we do not offer. We offer some things they do not offer. And, and, uh, and yet we are going to spend eternity together in glory because of, of our savior. And, that's that's just kind of a good thing. So I tell Craig, you reach everybody on that side of Dale Mabry. I'll take this side and let's meet in the middle. And it, it's cool because if there's people that I find out that are up in that area, I'm like, oh, well, there's just two churches to check out. And if you're really freaked <laughs> out about a really big church, we well, can go to a medium big church. They're right yeah. near each other. Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, and 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 as you as you well know, um, bigger's not better, smaller's not better, better's better, and. And, you know, um, there are a lot of great churches in the Tampa Bay area, and there are not all of them are Baptists. People say, are you one of those narrow-minded Baptists, only Baptists going to heaven? And I say, no, I'm more narrow than that. I think there's some Baptists that aren't going. So, you know, I, I think that uh, there's some great churches and evangelical churches, people preaching the gospel all over. And I tell you, if a person really wants to find a family that's teaching the Word, they're, they're here in Tampa Bay. They can find one. And Idlewild might not be their place, and that's fine. We'll help them find one um, because that's that's it's a kingdom thing for this pastor. Well, that's what I love. I, I, I'm always looking for kingdom-impactful churches, churches that are Amen. really equipping people to not just have a good time on Sunday, but to really make an impact wherever they go on Monday. Amen. Let, let's take this a little personal. How you know, okay. As a pastor, you got a lot of pressure. You're under a lot of pressure because, like I said, you, in your case, you got fifteen to 20,000 people looking at you all the time. How do you balance 
God being your priority list, God being first, your spouse being second, your children and your family. I know they're gro- they're grown, they're gone. You got grandkids, I imagine by now. How do you right. balance all those priorities, keeping them in front of your ministry? Great question. Um, you know, Jim, I've always felt like that duties and responsibilities do not conflict. So I've tried to live my life um, for several years. Been here at Idaho for twenty six years. Been in. Uh, been in the ministry for almost forty for forty years, and I, I know that I have a I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be first of all, um, a guy that loves the Lord, has his quiet time, and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I have a responsibility to be His son, and for Him to be spirit filled, and Him to live through me, and to abide in Him, like John fifteen says. I have a I have a a responsibility to be Jenny's husband, and nobody else can be Jenny's husband. And I have a responsibility to be Tara and Andy and Kimberly and Philip's dad. And now that responsibility is expanded to about eleven grandkids. And so I, I am their poppy, and Jenny is their Gigi. And we have responsibilities. I have responsibility uh, to to do those things. But then I have a duty. I have a duty to be the pastor of 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 the Idlewild Fellowship. And uh, I have a, a and I have duties that go along with that. And I don't believe God puts us in compromising situations. And I'll tell you what, what, what does compromise and what does conflict. There may be a time I have to choose what I like to play golf. I heard you know you guys are getting ready to do the masters golf thing coming up and that's that's a blessing to pastors and other people. But you know what? I have to always evaluate myself. What's the responsibility here? What's the duty here? And I don't believe God wants them to to conflict with each other, and they they don't have to compete with each other. But it does mean I may have to make some choices. So, has, so it, were, has it been a struggle though? I mean, honestly, you've been doing this. You said in the past for forty years. There's got to have been times where where you where Jenny just said, "Honey, um, I think maybe you should come home more often." I mean, has she ever listen, had that conversation with you? It, it didn't just come on. Of course, I, I will tell you, you don't want to know all the failures here, but I, there was, it wasn't just coming home. How about the time I was mowing the lawn and I hadn't, I, I'd been working all week long and been going hard and I hadn't hardly spent any time with the kids. And she came out and she, the lawnmower's going and, and, uh, and she said, but you haven't seen the kids. And I said, but I got to do the lawn. And then she said, you know, that lawn one day is going to burn up. And one day these kids aren't going to be here. And I mean, she's walked back in the house. Well, listen, that could have been the greatest sermon I've ever heard because I just shut the I just shut the lawnmower off, put it in the garage, and said, you know, I am misplacing my priorities right here. And um, yeah, I, I will tell you, Jim, I, there there have been times I haven't always done it well, but I know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Well, and there's a lot of guys out there listening that are struggling with the same thing. Maybe they're not the pastor of a church, but they're a pastor in their office. They're they're they may just be digging ditches somewhere. Uh, but you know, it's it's a struggle and maintaining priorities in God's priority, keeping our relationship with our heavenly Father number one, and our relationship with our spouse number two, and our relationship with our kids number three, and putting that all in front of our job. The culture doesn't support that at all. It says, "Hey, go for it. Take your job. Put it in the front. Do everything you can to be successful in your career." And Jim, I know you say this a lot to to your people because you you try to give them the biblical worldview of of work and what that means. But I think as a pastor, one of the things you and I could say together today, even those who are listening, that one of the, the keys to that 
is to stop compartmentalizing their life. What we end up doing is we divide our life into the secular and the sacred, and we think, okay, Sunday is sacred. The rest of the work is secular. No, 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 not at all. Because, listen, when, when Jesus Christ came into our life, we, put, we don't put everything in compartments. We don't put it into a religious things and say, well, that's a spiritual compartment, and there's a regular things, and that's a physical compartment. No, no. Every day, every person, everything we do is spiritual. Every place is spiritual. The Bible says in all your labor there is profit. And so I, I tell our folks, listen, you're, you're there in a place for a purpose, for a people, with a plan. In that place, for a purpose, with a people, for the plan. Why? That you may serve God. And when you serve God, it's sacred. And, you know, that changes the whole dynamics of, am I doing this for the glory of God? Can I eat to the glory of God? Yes. Can I recreate to the glory of God? I should. Yes. But you know, then I also have to ask myself, listen, am I overworking? Am I putting my job? As, is that an idol? Am I doing that above my family? Because, listen, that's not what God has called us to do and God called us to be. Those were good words. He almost brought tears to my eyes. It takes a lot for me to actually get emotional. And when you just said what you said, the compartmentalizing, that's what's plagued the church. And that's why right. I call and, and in my opinion, humble opinion, I don't have a doctorate like you, I, I, but my humble opinion, it's because of compartmentalization, the sacred versus secular, that our culture is in its condition that it is today. Because as a body of Christ, we compartmentalized our faith and didn't bring it with us wherever we went. And, and the, the neighborhoods haven't gotten the benefit of hearing and feeling and seeing Jesus through all of us. We're talking with Pastor Ken Witten from Idlewild today, and he's been super transparent, and that's what I knew he would do when we brought him on. I wanted people to hear the heart behind the pastor. And and not everybody gets one-on-one -on -one with Pastor Ken Witten because he's kind of from a larger church, and you get to hear him twice a day right here on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. I thought you'd really enjoy hearing from his heart. Ken, as you you really almost brought me to tears as you just you, you nailed it on the head that said the key to our, keeping our priorities in order is to stop compartmentalizing. And I think people, it resonates with people because you've had to figure it out even in your own life because ministry is what you're doing all day long and and yet you've got family responsibilities and, and, and it's it's probably even been tough even in your position. It, it has been. Um, and yet... You know, I think one of that 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 key to to anybody in ministry is to recognize, you know, while we feel like we have everybody out there as members of our congregations as our boss, we really don't. But we, our Savior is our boss. Our Savior. Now we are accountable, and we need to be accountable, and um, and we need to put ourselves in accountability situations with your church have elders or your church, uh, our pastors, but but the truth is we we answer to God, and the Bible talks about having a good conscience before God, and, and, and you know, that's true for the pastor. Um, you know, we, we may be the ones speaking, but we have to be the ones imitating and living it out, and Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What a what a, a tremendous challenge that is for a pastor to be able to say, could I say that to these people? Well, and he, Follow me he, like I'm following Christ. And he actually used the word imitate me. He used yeah. 
Well, and that may be in a different translation, but I, I remember reading, I studied just the epistles last year, four different times I read through all the epistles. And when I read that, every time in my margin was like, I don't know if I could ever say that or re- imitate me. I'd be really embarrassed. I don't know. So, but that brings up my the question I really want to ask you, because one of the things I've seen when, when people say that I've been most effective in the ministry I have is when I'm living transparently in front of them and just sharing my life, my struggles, whatever it may be. Hey, just being real in front of them. But from the pulpit, people don't expect you to be, well, they don't expect you to have sin issues. They, they don't expect you to have, to be real. So how do you bring that transparency across and share the realness of your struggle as a human being who's a Christ follower? How do you communicate that and, and have people not give you a hard time because, A, they expect you as a pastor just to be perfect? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, I think First of all, you're not fooling the people. They know they know that you're they know you're real when they hear you be real. Um, and I I think great communicators are ones that look for opportunities in the text. I mean, you know, we're not preaching from what we know. You, they don't want to know what Ken Witten knows. They want to know what God knows through God's word. They just want Ken Witten to be the invisible messenger there. And if, and if Pastor Ken can share where he's failed, where he has struggled, um, you know, Jim, I, I'll tell you something, since we're just kind of on this intimate level. I, I, one of the greatest mistakes I ever made as, being, as a dad was, you know, the Bible says, raise up all your children and raise them up in the way that they're bent. And I think my middle child, Kimberly, who's now, by the way, she's in seminary. So mm. she's not on Dr. Phil, and I haven't ruined her too bad. Uh, but I, 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 my two boys loved baseball, and I loved baseball, and I coached baseball. I played college baseball. And so when I, when I moved my boys to another school in this town, I took my daughter with them. And my daughter was going to what was be known today as Cambridge. It was known as Seminole Presbyterian School. She went to summer school. And I remember her saying um, that summer, boy, Daddy, I really like it. Now, if I had any discernment of all, if I would have been sensitive, I would have said, you know, maybe what I'll do is move my two boys to this school. I'll keep her there because that was her bent. And, you know, she didn't say anything. And the squeaky wheel is always the one that gets oiled. She didn't say anything. And I moved her. And I moved her with the boys, and I thought she was happy and I noticed one day her spirit was really close to me, and I, we were in the car, and I said, hey, have I done something? She said, you don't listen to me, and, and you didn't listen to me. And I said, did I miss something somewhere along the line? I mean, I'm really, you talk about being in a fog. I'm like, I don't, what have I done wrong? And she walked me through, and she said, you know, Dad, I went to that school, but I felt like it was because you wanted the boys to go. And I'm telling you, I wept. And Pop, and I've been more than once I've said to her, hey, we're still okay, right? And I had to say to her, Kimberly, you need to forgive your dad. Would you forgive your dad? Because I missed it. I absolutely missed it. And and I think, you know, when I tell that story to our church family, you know what they say? Hey, you know, I've probably missed it, too. I wonder mm-hmm. where I need to go ask my daughter or my son, hey, are we okay? 
And I think that's part of the imitation. They don't want a perfect pastor. Listen, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. <laughs> well, as, as, as Pastor Charlie Martin used to say, hey, if you ever find a perfect church, that's right. It doesn't have any people inside of it. That's right. <laughs> that's, and Charlie Martin would be very good. One, and he was a very transparent pastor as well. So our people have walked with this pastor long enough to know that I, like Simon Peter, I, I open my feet, to ch- open my mouth to change feet. Um, I, I'll reverse the numbers. I don't pronounce names in the Bible all that well sometimes, but you know, they just go, well, that's, that's our pastor and he's one of us. I, I appreciate that transparency because that is what sets you apart. I mean, that's what creates a community where the leader is transparent and vulnerable from the pulpit, because that gives everybody in the congregation permission to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're looking for across the body of Christ, across the nation and around the world, is we're looking for people to say, listen, I know I'm not fit to lead because I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm called to lead. Let me just live out my faith in Christ in front of you, and hopefully that will inspire you. I mean, that's it's a high calling when you're put when you're in front of people, and it's it's a, and, and Paul talks about the you know wow if you're going to be called into that position, you, you, it's a whole different level. But to be and able you to could, and you could see you could see how this would you could see how this would the concentric circle here would grow. Imagine a leader in a Bible fellowship class or a leader in a small group sharing something or the pastor of group pulpit sharing it, and then you imagine the CEO in that in that class he hears it. And then he thinks about his own workspace, and he starts realizing what he's doing. And he creates a culture where he works of transparency. And then somebody else says, hey, you know, and it, you could see by that very vulnerability and sensitivity, even in your workplace, that you're setting a great example for a family because most people who work work because they want to work and you know you you've seen this you've seen the stats you, you you covered but you know Susan Mitchell I think it was in her book it's called the official guide to american attitudes you know they were talking about americans in the workplace and they said that 47% of the people who work work there because of a feeling of accomplishment only 8% said it was because of job security only 22% said i work here because of an income high income Forty-seven percent said because I have a feeling of accomplishment and appreciation. I think appreciation is really big in that, and that's what part of the accomplishment is. It's it's huge. It's huge. But if you build, if you build within your company, just like you build within your church, a family, or it's okay here. You know, no all no perfect people allowed here, but we're all kind of in this together. And uh, you know, people don't do what they what you expect; they do what you inspect. And you're interested in them, and they know you're interested in them, but you're interested in them as a person, not just in their and what you're getting out of it. They pick up on that. That's part of leadership in the workplace. And, you know, it's not that much different in your home, and really it's not that much different in your church as a pastor. It's just not. It's, it's <laughs> And learning to be a pastor in your own home. I mean, and that's and with your own kids because they're, the, they're your toughest audience because yeah. they, because yeah, they because know we, the truth about you. <laughs> It's like that preacher that says to his wife, honey, how many great preachers do you think there really are up today? And she goes, I don't know, but one less than you do. And so, <laughs> you know, you, listen, the home is what keeps you humble. My wife is so great at saying, you, you know, at, at, at helping me and helping me be a better dad and helping me be a better pastor. And, and, uh, and, and you know, 
the God gives you gives you that help me for that very reason. And listen, if your if your wife doesn't do it, bless bless God, your kids will. I promise you, your kids will help you understand that that was so boring. Or, dad, that, <laughs> dad, you, dad, that did dad that did not communicate. I'm just telling you, yeah, and they not, will help you. They're not impressed. There's no question. And, no, 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 no. You you know you've met those preachers that they preach their own sermon, they sign their own Bible. You know that that guy right there, he's pretty impressed with himself. Listen, uh, some people are just too sexy for their shirt. What they need is a good wife and good kids that kind of help them keep their feet on the ground. Say, hey, listen, hot shot, you're not as good as you think you are. Nothing like a good piece of humble pie and, and delivered by our spouses just to keep us grounded. That's right. Amen. Hey, Amen. I want I, I want to talk about your marriage a little bit because it's an example for everybody, and and okay. I know that you're passionate about. And, and we're running into the end of a segment here, but how long have you and Jenny been married? Jenny and I have been married 40 years this uh, August 21st. That's fantastic. Give me, you got 15 seconds. What's the number one key to a successful, happy, and wonderful marriage like you've had with Jenny in the last 40 years? Dialogue daily, date weekly, depart quarterly. I, I get this feeling, man, you are a Baptist preacher. Three <laughs> points, just like that. Alliteration, the whole deal. <laughs> Dialogue daily. What, what was that? Dialogue daily, Dialogue date daily. weekly. Date weekly, depart quarterly. Pastor Ken, as we talk about marriage, right before the break, I love your three-point thing. It, it goes right along with what Martha and I tell all the couples that we've discipled and, and mentored for years. Dialogue daily, key to successful marriage with you and Jenny. Dialogue daily, date weekly, depart quarterly. I imagine that's like a weekend away. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Okay, all right. Exactly. So what is Idlewild doing to intentionally fight for marriage? You know, one of the things we're doing our, within our own young married deck, let me back that up. For for those who are single that are that are engaged, collegiates and single adults are engaged. Uh, we have a pretty intensive small group that uh, that we have an they have an engagement Bible fellowship class, and uh, they're talking about communication. They're talking about sex. They're talking about budgeting. They're they're talking about quiet times, and they're talking about devotions, and they're talking about the things that that make a, a real healthy spiritual and emotional financial marriage. Um, when you get into a Bible fellowship class, we have what we call mentors. So we'll take some of the folks that have been married 20, 30, 40. You know, last night at church on Wednesday night, we celebrated a couple in our church that have been married 70 years. Cool. He was 92, she was 90. And uh, man, the people stood to their feet. So after 50 years, we do it every five years in increments. But there's hardly a Sunday goes by that I'm not recognizing somebody 50 years, 55, 60, 63, 65. We try to celebrate that. So in a Bible fellowship class, we'll bring some of those folks as mentors to come alongside. And these are people that say, listen, we know what it was like. We were in the Depression. We know what it was like when the, you're going to make it. You're going to get through it. You're going to like him, you know, and those those kind of things. So we will... You know, so we we just we try to build that culture that that says, "Hey, marriages are celebrated here." Pastor Ken Witten with Ida Wild Church. Thank you so much for being transparent and being on the show today. Really enjoyed it. Thank well, you, sir. Thank you very much, and I enjoyed being with you. God bless. All right, thank you. As we come to the end of the show, what did you learn today about how your faith can impact this city? You know, we learned today that our faith 
it can be impact it can impact everything and i love what pastor ken said you know one of the the greatest ways for us to keep our priorities our priorities and to keep things in in step is to stop compartmentalizing to stop compartmentalizing just our lives we we, we break up everything between the sacred and the secular it, that's never what jesus intended it's never what he intended he intended for the work that he's doing on our life uh, in our lives the sanctification the restoration in our lives he wanted that work to spread out he wanted people to see that work in our lives no matter what we're doing whether we're painting the house or we're taking out the garbage or we're cleaning up after our dog or we're driving down the road whatever it is we should be displaying the light the work that he's done in our lives and pastor ken said it so well stop compartmentalizing that'll help you with your priorities every time you've been listening to the i work for him radio program with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower i own my own business but you know what and you know this i work for him we